Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's a big Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Episode 10. We made it, Mitch. We made it. We're in the double digits Someone told us we would never get to episode 10 (laughs) on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, but here we are. Amen. We made it. I mean, I think if there's anybody that can look at us in the mirror and say we are not persistent... They are wrong. <laughs> we are persistent. We are an example of that. But we are probably in a pretty good mood today because uh, one heck of a hockey game just finished a couple hours yeah. ago here at Bell MTS Place. Um, Tempe Lightning roll into town as the best team in the National Hockey League. Uh, had won eight straight games. The Jets, not doing too shabby themselves, had won eight of nine. Uh, found themselves in second spot in the Central Division. But the Jets, uh, in a comeback fashion again, winning overtime. And I, you know, if you're sitting here and you didn't know what happened and you haven't been paying much attention, Mark Shifley's done some wonderful things as of late. Yeah, pretty good hockey player, that Shifley guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the game, I think, was, was everything that it was kind of built up to be. And, of course, if you're, a, if you're a Jets fan, which I assume most people are that are listening to this podcast. Unless they really um, have a, unless they're Hey, unless they're big fans of the game, in which case, keep downloading. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you had the... Four different lead changes. It goes back and forth. You had goals in the last minutes of periods, goals in the last minute of overtime. I mean, it was back and forth. Uh, two National Hockey League heavyweights going at it, and then Mark Shifley just seemingly everything he touches in overtime is going in the net right now. Um, obviously, gets the the overtime winner against Chicago, and then backs it up again uh, with a big overtime winner against Tampa Bay. Jets have uh, won five games in overtime this year. Uh, all five of those overtime goals, Mark Shafley's been in on. Uh, he currently leads the Jets in scoring. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not going to get into this and we're not going to get into semantics of the last time somebody else says Blake Wheeler was leading the team in scoring. Yeah. But this is a pretty big moment for Mark Shifley, um to be leading the team in scoring at this mm-hmm. point, considering how well Blake Wheeler's been playing. Both players are on five-game point streaks, but Mark Shifley has three points in three consecutive games. And four of his yeah. last five. I think it just, I mean, it speaks to the the chemistry that they have, both Shifley and Wheeler together. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wheeler said earlier the, this past week that, you know, when he gets that puck, that's that's who he's looking for. Uh, he said that after the Edmonton game when it was Shifley that tied the game uh, in regulation in the third period. And, um, and then, I mean, you look on the left wing of that line, and it's been both Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor at different points of the past week mm-hmm. and Wheeler said I mean after the after the win over the Lightning he said it's it's just a blessing right you you get a you get two just prolific mm-hmm. left wingers that can do so many things uh as kind of the the choice for for your left winger I mean that's it's a lot of responsibility defensively to play with Shifley and Wheeler but both Connor and Ehlers have just been unbelievable in that spot and we talk about the performance of Mark Shifley in the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nikolai Ehlers scored two big goals, uh, one to tie it at three uh, before the end of the second period, and then to, to tie it at four with about uh, four and a half, five minutes to go in regulation. Another thing that played a role in, in the Jets, too, in this game against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's been an intriguing schedule, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Chicago on Tuesday, had, played you know practice Wednesday, but then played Edmonton on Thursday. That game went to overtime. They got on a plane that night. Yeah. 
flew to Chicago, played the Blackhawks, went to overtime that night, uh, won that game, had took Saturday off, but come back on Sunday and play another overtime against Tampa. And Paul Maurice touched on, he realized he had a very tired hockey club mm-hmm. going in this game against Tampa Bay, and that's another reason why he was impressed with the victory. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, you talk about being a really good defensive team, but being a good defensive team now isn't just sitting back and having your stick in a good spot. It's so much about how good of a gap you have, how much time and space that you take away from opposing teams. And But in order to do that, you have to have your legs. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be the main challenge for the Jets against the Lightning. And Maurice praised pretty much his entire roster up and down, but he did talk about the play of the Lowry, Perot, Tanev line, as well as Morrissey and Truba. Because uh, you need... You need guys that that can dig deep, and I mean, you always talk about how Blake Wheeler does that. He's the reason that the Ehlers' uh, first goal happens, creates yeah. that turnover on the forecheck, and then you got guys like I said, like Lowry Perot and Tanev that were on the puck from the opening uh, puck drop at Bell MTS Place against the Lightning. It seems to me, and I'll go back to the Oiler game, and, and I'll go to the game against Tampa in the first period when the other lines are kind of getting their legs underneath them and getting into a roll and getting the rhythm of the game, it always seems like the Lowry line is there from the start. And it almost they, it almost seems like Paul Maurice leans on them to create to get the puck in the other team's end. Brandon Tanev's speed is causing fits for mm-hmm. opposing uh, defensemen lately. And Matthew Perot is just, as, as always, just fits in wherever. Just tenacious. Yeah, and just and it just he's been a perfect fit on that third unit. Yeah, and I mean, that just, I mean, it speaks to the versatility of Matthew Perot, but uh, he's played on pretty much every line this year i think Mm -hmm. so and uh we're only what 33 games in Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean you it's always good as a coach i would imagine to have some lines that you can you can rely on no matter kind of what style of game he likes to use uh shifley's line against speed uh but sometimes he likes to switch that up too maybe get shifley's line away from that that line and then you know you've got the line with adam lowry and brandon tanev and whoever's playing on that other wing right now, obviously Matthew Perot, to go up there and not just hold water. You're getting that puck to the other end of the ice. We talked on the Jets TV Live pregame show uh, about that, about just how well that Lowry line with Perot and Tanev is getting that puck to the mm-hmm. other end of the ice. Their, their Corsi numbers in the last couple of games have been absolutely nuts. Filthy. Just filthy just stuff. Ridiculous. And it, it's kind of, you know, it's not ironic, but it's nice how we talk about it in the pregame show about said line, and said line goes out and produces the way we were talking about them. Um, my Christmas gift to you, Mitch, is we had a long conversation with Dennis Bayak, so we are, we're not going to be oh, included yes. that much uh, in this podcast, the 10th episode of, of Ground Control, the official podcast, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Dennis and I had an extensive conversation. You're going on this final road trip before the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. This is my gift to you. We're not going to talk a whole <laughs> lot in this first segment. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. But here's Dennis Bayak, uh, our, our guest here on Ground Control. 50-50 tickets are now available online for all Winnipeg Jets games. Buy yours before the start of the third period by visiting tnyf.ca slash 5050 in support of the True North Youth Foundation. This is Josh Morrissey. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Pass intercepted by Bufflin. Bufflin goes rink wide. In across for Lion A. Lion A to the net, to the back. Reba, score! Mark Shapley has another overtime winner on a terrific net drive by Patrick Lyon. 
All right, pleased to welcome uh, to episode 10 of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, the official voice of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Dennis Bayek. Um, Dennis, this, this is your time of year. Um, outside of calling games for the Winnipeg Jets, you head off to the World Junior Hockey Championships. I've always wanted to ask you this. You do the other games outside of the Canada games. What is the challenge of learning these players so quickly and knowing everything about them before you head into that tournament? Well, it takes some doing, I guess. You, yeah. you try and prepare as best you can. I'm a collector. Mm-hmm. So as whether it's hockey news, uh, whether it's the IIHF site, uh, whether it's other stories that appear on players who are going to be eligible for the World Junior, sometimes it's a draft story, uh, I collect and then as we get to this time of the year, now you have to kind of downsize and take everything you collected and, and put it down to, on a paper somewhere where you can easily access it and read it and understand what, what it is. But uh, you know what? As you do it more from time to time, there's players that come back, mm-hmm. uh, although there's a big turnover with, with certainly the top teams. It's that old adage, it is a 19-year-old tournament. Yeah. Although when Patrick Laine in Finland won it back in 16, that was a very young team. But... Uh, it's not as, uh, you know, once you do it back-to-back years and a few more years after that, it's kind of more just a, a routine than anything else. Which country gives you the biggest fits in terms of pronunciation of names? Interestingly enough, it used to be Finland. Okay. Uh, but we're kind of seeing a bit of a change because everything, in, it used to be, everything ended in N. Mm-hmm. It was Numenon to, to <laughs> Sumenon to, and, and, and eventually it just kind of all kind of felt like it was running together. But now it's changed. You've got Sebastian Ajo, you've got Patrick Liney, you've got mm-hmm. Jesse Pugliarvi. So uh, it's kind of gotten away from that a little bit and, uh, and that. But, uh, you know, of uh, being Ukrainian, I guess, maybe helps me with some of the, of the, of the Slovakian names and the Russian names. And, right. And even the Czech Republic names, and, and uh, plus a lot of them now are over, which makes it kind of more difficult. Mm-hmm. A lot of them now are uh, are overplaying at the CHL level. Yeah. So now you have to, even though what you think it might be, you now you have to kind of find out what what do they, how do they pronounce this person's name right. in Sudbury or in Victoria or wherever this player plays in the CHL just to make sure that, uh, you know, that you're constant with that. So are you asking play-by-play voices the, these types of questions, pronunciations? Yes. Are you going to... Well, more, more and more games now are whether they're on the radio, whether they're on television. Yeah. So you can go back and find a game where this player scored a goal uh, or an assist. Uh, you just go back and you find that game and you can give it a listen. You can usually pick it up there. Other than that, yes, uh, I do rely on some, some play-by-play people around uh, the CHL... Uh, to get pronunciations and, and make sure that, uh, you know, that at least you're close. We always hear how tight of a, a family the hockey community is. Amongst broadcasters, do you feel that same way as well? I think so. I, I think like everything else, there's some that are closer than uh, to you than others mm-hmm. for whatever that reason may be. Uh, some you've been fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time around, so maybe you get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, others, uh, you just kind of see them from time to time in passing, and you don't develop a relationship. Uh, in some, the relationship comes easier than others. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part now, it's everybody's got jobs to do, but uh, yeah. you, you say hello and you have a little chat. And, again, some it's a five-minute chat. And with others, uh, it's, hey, let's go out for dinner the night before the game and, and let's catch up and, you, uh, and that. Uh, 
with your travels across the world, the World Junior Hockey Championship, you must have some good travel stories. You've been all across the world. You got to have one that you share is very interesting, where you know you're late or something like that, or just something happened that you would never expect to happen to you uh, when you're doing the job that you do. Actually, for the most part, it's been it's been fairly smooth. Okay. Uh, considering there's the World Junior and then the World and the World Championship. Yeah. Uh, the World Championship, by the way, back to where we started. World Championship is harder because there's more teams. Absolutely. So World Junior, I've got five teams in my pool, Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, Kazakhstan, which will be interesting, and, of course, the United States. So the U.S. is easy because yeah. all those will be out there. Uh, I th- maybe from a travel story, the first time, and this would I think we were going to the Czech Republic for the World Championship, where we got on the pods, okay. on, the, on the Air Canada business class pods. And I thought, okay, I've made it. This is, this is big. As much as the charter is, yeah. is, is a lot of fun and uh, the pods is living. The pods is living, and uh, and that. But other than that, there's there's always the ones where uh, you know you get caught late doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe my best story goes back. There was a international tournament years ago in Quebec. Okay, and there was all different levels, and it was billed as this world tournament. And TSN decides to do the final game because they were expecting a whole bunch of the Russians who were named Russian players. Uh, to be in this tournament, and, and Canada was supposed to put this kind of an old-timers all-star team together, mm-hmm. and we get there, and most of the Russian guys didn't show up. Uh, the Canadian team was the guys who had part-time jobs. Uh, we're about to start the game, and there's guys showing up on the ice that there's no number for. They're not on the okay. roster. They're not anywhere. Now we're on to something here. So now <laughs> we're scrambling around trying to find out who are these guys. Well, yeah. this guy couldn't make it because... He had to go to work, uh, so this guy called his boss and said, uh, "Yeah, I can. Can I get the day off because I got to go play in this hockey tournament?" Uh, and, and that's the way it was. So it really wasn't until I think probably five or six minutes into the game mm-hmm. that we finally uh, we finally had anybody. But I think from an international level, the IHF has really done a good job okay. over the years. They've gotten better at providing information, lineups. And, and being very helpful to the media. So, and again, back to uh, knowing the media. Yeah. There's a bunch of international media now that, that I know are going to be at the World Junior. Right. I know are going to be at the World Championship. And, uh, you know, you kind of look forward to, to reuniting with those guys and, and having a 10-minute chat before a game with them, and you can learn more about their team that you can now use in your broadcast mm-hmm. uh, than you would have from any other information that you could find. What's a friendship you have coming from this business that is still going today? One of your best, one of your good friends. You know, uh, I, I think there's uh, a guy named Ian Furness that we may hear more of as Seattle comes in because that's where he is now. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a young guy that came along and, and uh, you know, got an opportunity uh, to do a period of a Memorial Cup final that i was doing uh seattle wasn't in the final yeah uh you know so we i you know i got him to do one period and he went on to be to become a, a broadcaster both in the western hockey league and and american hockey league and uh, and still does some western hockey league games so that relationship has always been there but mm. you know what i could go on and on right uh you know, there's a guy named Jimmy and from Denmark that, uh, for some reason, every year when they set up the World Championship broadcast booth, he's next to us, and he's the only guy that, like us, does every game. Uh, uh, but I've met so many. When all is said and done, yes, 
it's going to be about the people that you meet along the way. And, uh, I mean, Bob Ridley, who st- uh, used to drive the bus medicine in Medicine Hat, Tigers, hat yeah. and, and still does the games uh, for the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, we kind of came into the league at the same time. Medicine Hat, and I was in Flin Flon, and, uh, you know, for years we still, you know, kind of kept in touch from now and then. Now and then, you know, it's kind of harder now and, and, and that because we're all busy and, and everything else. But uh, I've met so many good people along the way. What have you enjoyed in the, back in the day in the Western Hockey League? What did you enjoy the most about being on the bus? Those are long bus rides, especially from Seattle to if you're going out, out east. Bus rides changed with the cell phone. Okay. Bus rides were way better before there were cell phones on the bus, before you had cell phones. And now I'm dating myself, but right. that was the case. So how come? Because when you got on the bus, you had 5, 6, 7, 8, 11, how many ever hours where nobody could bother you. You mm-hmm. could get caught up on your reading. You could get caught up on work. Uh, I love the bus. I, okay. could, I could sleep on the bus like a baby. And uh, I think you have to, to survive in the Western Hockey League. And, uh, you know, but then it, then it changed. You know, and then as I got into management, uh, for a while the boss couldn't get a hold of you if, if, if you didn't have a cell phone. And... Uh, but you'd come in, and the first thing you did when you checked in would just check your messages because there was usually messages there waiting for you. But that all changed with uh, with the cell phone now, and and uh, you still kind of looked forward to areas where there was no cell service. And when I was in Tri-Cities, we'd go up to Prince George, and believe me, there was areas there where there was no cell service. There might not still be any yeah. cell service up in PG. Um, what is a tip you could give to somebody to get a good sleep on a bus because I've, I've traveled on buses for decades and I cannot fall asleep on a bus to save my life. Get an old green blanket okay. that for whatever reason not only kept you warm but acted like a sound barrier. Okay. Because I could have guys next to me playing cards and have the loudest card game going that you could ever imagine, but I would pull that green blanket over my head and it was like a shield. It was like the old Get Smart. So no problem with breathing. You know, yeah. No, not at all. It was like the old Get Smart where the size of the Corona Silence came down. Yeah. And, uh, no, I was, uh, you know, as goofy as it sounds. Right. When we'd play, when I was in Saskatoon, we'd play in Brandon, and then we'd drive home after the game. And a lot of times you got off the bus and went straight to work because mm-hmm. uh, that's just the way it was. Uh, there'd be there'd be times I was mad that we were home because I was having such a good sleep on the bus. So uh, I think that's key to survival. So uh, get in the a Western green blanket. So, yeah, that exactly. Down. And and I don't know whatever happened to that green blanket, but it was like Linus with the security blanket. Yes. You know, yeah, it's going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, as we exactly. Speak. So you just got to find that somewhere. Got to find that and put that in the Hall of Fame. You were general manager. Uh, how much did you love doing that? Putting teams together, being responsible for the everyday success of a, of a franchise must be. Incredibly fun. The word you use there is responsible. Okay. And I think that's what made it so enjoyable. If the team was going good, you know that you, have, you played a part in that. And if the team wasn't going good, you knew that it was kind of up to you to get this thing turned around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the contact with the players, the parents. I enjoyed getting out and, and doing some recruiting, doing some scouting. And all the other stuff that came along with it, I, I kind of think I'm an organized person Mm -hmm. and to organize road trips, meals, hotels, uh, what are we going to do on this off day? Uh, and all that other stuff that came along with it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And when I got out of it, uh, it took me a few years to, to really get over, 
that day-to-day uh, work that you had. Yeah. Uh, but I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I could go on for hours here. This has been a terrific run from from you know being in Saskatoon, being chairman of the of the Memorial Cup in '89, mm-hmm. which really vaulted my career in a positive way, and then on to Seattle for the Memorial Cup there, and then. You know, the uh, management and, and uh, I mean, in Saskatoon, I did some marketing and Jeez. everything else that came along with it. And yeah. uh, just, and I've loved every minute of it. Putting a team together for Memorial Cup was a lot more pressure than it is in everyday average life of a general manager in, in, in junior hockey. Can you take us kind of through, you know, in a short way, the process of putting together, make sure you have a competitive side for a big tournament like that? Well, it starts when you have to make some difficult decisions to move uh some older players for younger players mm-hmm. and you have to make that decision okay we're going to do that and uh so that's where it starts and then after that then you then you want to make sure the young players that you have coming up and they they award it so far in advance now that you see more of that now than when we used to okay uh you know you've already got teams that are building for two years down the road uh when they host the memorial cup and and uh, when we had it in Saskatoon, we knew we had a real good team coming back, you know, and then you try and fill some holes. And yet we had some holes to fill because uh, Tony Twist, we expected him back. We didn't get him back. Curtis Lecician, we expected him back. He made the Quebec Nordiques as an underage. Mm-hmm. We expected Tim Shovelday back as our overage netminder. Yeah. He stayed in the Red Wings organization. So now we had to start filling holes. And, and Daryl Lubinicki was our general manager. And we did. We, we, you know, we made sure that uh, we got some right people. And you talk about broadcast people. Now Mike Greenlay, yeah. who's the analyst in Minnesota, yeah. came out of school at Christmas time and was our netminder for that Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how you fill holes, and we and we patched up with a few other guys, made a couple of trades, and uh, and you kind of go from there. So it's it's not easy, uh, you know. Then the Seattle Memorial Cup, we had away from the ice, things were going very well from a marketing standpoint, uh, and then you had the the Save the Mariner campaign that started, and a lot of the businesses that had money obligated to the Memorial Cup, pulled back on, on what they were spending with us. So we had to go out and try and find some other finances. Okay. And then, of course, the, the, uh, the biggest maybe change of that Memorial Cup in Seattle was the Rodney King riots in L.A., the Sonics, the basketball team, playing Los Angeles. We had to change a game from the big rink to the little rink. Yeah. Fortunately, it was an OHL Quebec game. Uh, our season ticket holders in Seattle were very accommodating. They gave up their seats for that game because we went from 12,000 to 5,000, uh, wow. you know, and had to kind of fit everybody in. So just, uh, you know, I'm off topic on that, but just some little challenges that come with the Memorial Cup. That's not off topic at all. That's what happens yeah. when you're trying to put something like that together. Manitoba kid, what does it mean to you to call games for the Winnipeg Jets season to season? It's amazing uh, how it, how it, it came full circle. And, uh, I mean, I, and again, I'll keep this story short. The rest of it will be in the book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't yeah. give us uh, chapter five. We're in, uh, we're on our way from Toronto where I was working back this way. And we have, I've still got relatives, uh, in Winnipeg here. We stop here when, when the rumor comes out yeah. that the, that the, there's a chance that the Atlanta Thrashers are being purchased by True North. Mm-hmm. And I'm in for some, it's a long weekend in May. I'm here for some of the hoopla. And that's kind of where it kind of got started. Uh, and then I go to Kelowna where I spend the summer. And uh, my wife Bev and I are watching 
the whole morning as it as it develops here in Winnipeg with yeah. Commissioner Gary Bettman and Mark Chipman and and all the excitement and and the dancing in the streets and uh, and everything that came along with it. And then I started talking to some of the TSN people that uh, I had done some work with in previous years and just to kind of get a lay of the land and you kind of say, okay, yes, we are in negotiations for the rights. Mm -hmm. And there was the radio rights and there was the television rights. And then uh, we were on our way to Washington State, uh, Wenatchee, Washington, to visit some friends. And uh, my cell phone rang and it was the TSN number. And a gentleman named Paul Graham, who uh, I'm still very good friends with, uh, said, if we get the rights, would you move back to Winnipeg? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely. No hesitation. uh, Not a hesitation at all. And, uh, you know, growing up in Manitoba when the the WHA started here and uh, to watch, you know, when the team left here, when, when the Winnipeg Jets left to go to Arizona, what it meant to the province, what it meant to the city to have that team leave, and then to see it come back, it was a no-brainer and uh, loved absolutely every minute of it. Do you catch yourself sometimes, considering how long it took the team to get to this point, from 2011 to where we are today, do you catch yourself going, wow, I can't believe it's here, all the building that this Shevel Day Off and, and company have done for this hockey club, and now, now it's here, now the window is here. So do you find yourself going, wow, I can't believe how quickly it went by or how long it took? I go, wow, on the decision that was made to go young okay. because I, I can, uh, in junior hockey management, it's nowhere near what NHL management is and the decisions yeah. that are made. I'm not trying to, to say that I've been there because I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can only imagine the internal conversations that were held uh, to make that decision. Mm-hmm. They had made the playoffs. Uh, so now you have to make a decision. Do we continue to, to piece this lineup together? Uh, with some veteran players, uh, maybe we find an unrestricted free agent here and there. Maybe we make a trade here and there, and let's make the playoffs again. Uh, we're probably going to lose in the first round again, but let's make the playoffs again. Nope, that's not the way we're going. We are going. We've drafted well. Mm-hmm. We are going to develop these players. We're going to let them learn on the job, and we're going to become a team that we want to be. So that's where the wow part for me comes okay. in. Uh, because I'm sure there was lengthy discussions. And I'm sure some days it was, okay, we're going to do this. And the next day, gee, maybe we shouldn't do this. Because finances come into play and everything else comes yeah, into play. season ticket holders. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that decision was made. And it all starts with very good drafting. Because yeah. it was the drafting of those very good players that allowed them now to make that decision because they felt confident in the players that were coming up. So that, to me, that's where the wow comes in. Mm-hmm. And then after that, to watch these young players develop and then to see the smile on Kevin Shoveldayoff's face when they get the lottery pick and you're going to get the number two pick and you're getting Patrick Lyonne, uh, all that now has developed into what we have today. And that is uh, a very, very good young hockey team. And I think young plays a part in this as well. Because of the fact we played Chicago the last couple of twice in the last in the last week, yeah, everybody talks about is there a fear of the Jets becoming Chicago? To me, there isn't, because when the Blake Wheelers and the Brian Littles and the Dustin Bufflins are are to the point where they're not expected to be your front line players anymore, they will still contribute big time. Mm-hmm. But there's this whole younger group coming up behind it 
that will now be the drivers of this team. And uh, I, I think that's why uh, Winnipeg fans should be thrilled with where this organization is and what this organization has done. You've been a broadcaster for such a long time. Do you still appreciate it when someone comes up to you and says, we love what you do? We love the job that you and Paul and Munzee, uh, Kevin Sawyer, you know what I mean? Like that. that I, I joke about it because I, I kind of say it's the passion that pays us all. Mm-hmm. And as much as uh, you know, I can say that lightheartedly, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because of what we do, it's, it's what keeps everybody interested. And, and uh, I mean, we all play a, uh, maybe a bigger role than what we think. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys included. Uh, with with what's happened now with websites and and with Jets TV and and uh, the coverage that that's provided before the game and after the game and everything else, uh, I, I still think that uh, to when you when you get into exciting exciting games and exciting times, uh, and we see that with the numbers, whether it be for the radio broadcast, whether it be for the television broadcast, and you guys see it with your mm-hmm. numbers, they just continue to climb because of the excitement that's around this team. And uh, it's, it's always nice to hear that you're appreciated by fans. I know there's, there's people out there that pick up on every mistake that, that, we, yeah. that I make, uh, mm-hmm. and I know I make them, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and some of them want to harp on that. Yeah. But that's part of it. Uh, that's what keeps us honest. But I think for the most part, uh, the fans are very appreciative of what we all do, and, and I think that's, it's still good to hear. Is the Patrick Liney goal in overtime against Toronto one of your favorite calls ever? It is for, for various reasons. Austin Matthews in alone. Matthews and stopped by Michael Hutchinson. Well, that may be the save of the game. Here comes Lion A, two in the game, looking for three. Scores! 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 Patrick Lion A, his first NHL two-goal game, his first NHL hat-trick, and it's an overtime winner for the Winnipeg Jets as they come back from 4-1 in the third period and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-4. What a night. A big save by Hutchinson off of Matthews. And then Patrick Lyonet ends this game. Number one, I've been asked, you know, it was early in the year, why were you so fired up? Was it because you used to work in Toronto? And and, uh, and, and maybe that was part you of it. You held ill will towards Exactly, the, yes. exactly. How yes. dare they not have, you know. Uh, but the big part of it was, to me, it was starting a big week. Mm-hmm. It was the alumni did luncheon coming up. There was the outdoor game coming up. And it started a big week. Mm-hmm. And, and in, from being involved... Uh, from a management side, and they were, I'm trying to remember, I think it was four, it was three nothing Toronto at that time, at mm-hmm. one point in that game. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to my, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm feeling for everybody in the organization. Okay. Because you know how tough this week is going to be. You got to put on this happy face, even though you just lost to another Canadian team badly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now they start the comeback. Now you add the Lion A, Austin Matthews part to it and and maybe there was part of it where i still used to work in toronto maybe Mm -hmm. that was part of it but the majority of it was because of what it meant for the city with the week that was coming up uh and and in my mind that's what when it was a when the game wasn't going right Mm -hmm. i was feeling for everybody because i knew how tough the week was going to be yeah and yet to see the comeback and now the way it played itself out even in the overtime where Austin Matthews has the first opportunity 
and down the ice uh, they come. It was Patrick Lyon, his first career, first NHL hat trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had come off a tough preseason, and and just everything, everything that went. And and so then I get the question: uh, How much of that was just natural reaction, mm-hmm. and how much of this was planned? I can honestly tell you, none of it was planned. Yeah, uh, it was emotion that came out uh, because of everything that was going on, and uh, it was uh, it was a special goal. Well, I love your call the World Hockey Championships, but I'm hoping that you're not going there this year. I'm yes, staying, uh, they, uh, <laughs> believe me, and and uh, it was, it's amazing. We back to where we talked moments ago. Yeah, it was amazing last year how many emails I got after the World Championship from European media and European people that I'd met saying, "Hey, we missed you. Uh, you know, I we understand. Good luck in the you know down the road, but yeah. uh, and, and everything else that goes along with it." So yes, as much as it would be nice to go to Slovakia. Uh, Which is beautiful in May, I hear. So, right, yeah. and and as much as I was looking forward to going to Denver last or Denmark last year, <laughs> believe me, uh, the excitement level that was around this city and around this team, and the playoff run that was here was is something that uh, that you cherish mm-hmm. uh, and you remember, you know, remember forever. I mean, it was. It was just so exciting around this city. It was it was a pleasure to be part of it. Stanley Cup final would be a great call for you. Yeah, it would be. You know what? Uh, I mean, John Cooper said it. Uh, you know, with, with the Lightning, the head coach of Tampa Bay, yeah. two teams that have aspirations of playing well in June. So, uh, you know, let's let's pick the spots now. Let's uh, <laughs> so let's we'll yeah. start we'll start with Minnesota yeah. again. Yeah, you know, and then we'll go to Nashville for for Catch a the series. NFL draft while we're there. And then we'll yeah. go to Vegas for a series. Yeah, and then we'll go to Tampa for a series. No smiles in Vegas this and, time around. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, for those other people, that'd be a pretty good spring. Appreciate the time. You're very welcome. Thank you. See. Watch it. Scores. Damn. All Winnipeg Jets single-game tickets for the 2018-19 season are now on sale. Choose the matchup you want to see and pick your seats today by visiting winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Full disclosure here. I, when I threw the question out to Dennis, what is, if the favorite goal call was the Patrick Lane goal in the overtime against Toronto in Lonnie's rookie season, I didn't realize it was. <laughs> so that's the magic of the podcast when yes. you throw things out and it, and it actually works in your favor. But uh, I was thrilled to find out that it was his favorite call and his description of why it was so good. And um, you know what? Like many of our guests, you can sit there and talk hockey with them all the time. I wish we had more than the 35 minutes we've been yeah, allotted. But. I mean, it's I, and I remember that goal call very well. It was one of those things that uh, – you go back to the to your to your office to do post game, and uh, you just you listen to it, and then it's just. I mean, every time you hear it, I mean, they, they, I think uh, TSN twelve ninety uses it in ads and all that stuff now. And you have to be silly not to. Yeah, and it's every time I hear it, it takes me right back to that night. Well, uh, it's it's been a, a slice so far, Mitch. I know you have a long, well, not such a long road trip ahead, but it's it's uh, an eventful road trip ahead yeah. with the Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks, and the uh, Vancouver Canucks before the Christmas break. Where the Jets are, which is the top of the Western Conference, mm-hmm. um, they are tied with Calgary in terms of points, but they've played one fewer game than the Flames, and then sitting a point ahead of Nashville for first in the Central Division. It seems like it's been a grind to get here. Yeah. And, and Paul Murray's touching this about how much he's been playing Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Uh, he said it in the pregame. It's mm-hmm. not as much as he wants. He he's playing them more than he wants to, but he also added tonight that it's working. Yeah, yeah, and it is, but that's... And I think uh, to to go further on your grind comment, um, it's something that uh, Maurice touched on a little bit after the game uh, against the Lightning. It was, it's just that 
that fact that it's it's been an entire grind. But he felt that early in the season, the Jets were kind of carrying that, mm-hmm. carrying the the weight of the expectations that you know that they have on themselves, but also that that's from outside the the dressing room and what they're asked about. Uh, but I think they've been able to kind of get past that seemingly anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're not maybe carrying it as much, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you that it's, it's felt like almost every game you just, you just have this, uh, it has this weight of expectation on it or this, this thought of, you know, let's see how this one goes. I mean, every game in the national hockey league is, is tough. I mean, you, you never know what way it's going to go. I mean, you look at the, the Chicago Blackhawks are in a very tough season, but every single game that has been against the, the Winnipeg Jets, it's been close. It's mm-hmm. just, that's just how it is every day in the National Hockey League. One final thing before we let you go on the episode 10 of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it is time to go uh, get your opportunity here for Jets Rewards. 50 Jets Rewards are on the line right now, and all you have to do is go to jetsrewards.ca and punch in this code. The code word today, the final one before the Christmas break, is Hellebuck. So just go punch that in at jetsrewards.ca and you'll have yourself 50 Jets rewards courtesy of the Winnipeg Jets and Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. On behalf of Mitchell Clinton and, of course, our special guest, Dennis Bayek, I'm Jamie Thomas. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you after the holidays.